But before we get in, I'm going to pray one more time because you can never have enough prayer. Um, so here we go. Um, dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity that you've given me and also the opportunity for Kenny to be able to get some much needed rest. And uh, I pray that you would just speak through me and that we would all gain something from what you, uh, you have to say through me today. Um, amen. Cool. So we are going to be finishing up uh, what Kenny's been speaking on, which is today it's going to be John 12, 44 through 50. So if you guys want to start turning there. Um, basically, uh, this is kind of concluding the ministry aspect in John. It's different in different Gospels, but in John, the way it's structured, this is kind of the like farewell, like almost outro in a sense of Jesus' ministry towards other people. And then after this, he's going to turn into a more pouring into the disciples, um, preparing them for what comes next. So um, that's where we're at today. So yeah, so John 12, 44 through 50. Um, if you could pull it up there on the screen. Perfect. All right, so it goes like this. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into this world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Perfect. So, I forgot to put my timer on. Okay, so, like I said, this is kind of the conclusion. Um, to kind of give you a little bit of context about what's going on, um, we've been going through John now for a while, um, and John's a very meaty gospel. Uh, and what's going on right now is Jesus is specifically talking to a lot of Jewish believers and unbelievers, basically telling them, you know, what he's about, who sent him, you know, preparing them for the way to salvation that he's inevitably, inevitably going to do. Um, but specifically in this kind of context right here, He's talking more to the Jews who are not on board, per se, with what he has been saying. So these are this is more guided towards the people who have been rejecting his message, um, and they don't believe that he is from God, basically. They believe that he is either on his own or doing something wrong. A lot of them are just. And then even what's interesting is a lot of scholars believe that within like the Jewish leadership, there were people who believed, but they were too afraid to come out and say it. So very interesting time in his ministry. Um, one of the other cool things about John, specifically that gospel, is it's written from this perspective that not, not so much in the sense of, okay, these things are happening right now, but that it's, this is where it happened, persecution, uh, the resurrection, ascension, all that stuff has happened, and it's in that context. So it kind of gives you this full picture of the gospel, especially now. It's like really applicable to us because we obviously— Jesus isn't here right now, specifically in front of us. It's very good for us to kind of see that big picture of, 
okay, like, we know that he died, we know that he lived, all that stuff, but, like, what does that mean, you know? Um, and that's why I love John so much, and I think that's why we're going through it very slowly, but it's good because there's a lot here. Um, so, like I said, this is kind of the big picture. This is kind of like in the, I love movies. This is kind of like in the movie, like, right before they go into battle, like the big speech, or they're like riling everybody up, and they're about to go. Okay, so this is, this is the conclusion. Okay. Got that double water. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay, so the first part here is kind of broken into two sections. So there's a argument kind of for the Jews, and then there's kind of an argument for, not argument per se, but more, hey, this is what I'm about. So the first part here, this is, uh, we're going through 44 and 45. Um, I'm going to read it one more time. It says, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And one of the really cool things about this is there's a lot of people who, even nowadays, argue that, you know, Jesus was a good teacher or, oh, you know, especially in a lot of other religions, they'll say, oh, yeah, like, I believe in Jesus. He's one of my 800 gods I believe in. And even back then, there was a lot of people saying who, like, hey, he's a prophet, or he's a this, or he's a that, okay? But Jesus himself is right here, right in front of us. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. So he is specifically telling the Jews right here that I'm not doing this on my own accord. I haven't come to fulfill my own fantasies or to, you know, boost myself in society. I am here because God the Father, right, has sent me. And this is specific to towards the Jews, too, because they obviously believe in God, right? So the ones who are say saying that, hey, you know, you're not from God, he's saying, no, he has sent me. If you see me, if you hear the words I'm speaking, those are directly from God. It's, it's one the same. You can't have one without the other. You know, it's like, I don't know, okay, I want to offend anybody, but Peanut butter sandwiches, just peanut butter sandwiches, are awful. If you like them, that's okay. <laughs> I judge you, but that's okay. Um, just as a jelly sandwich by itself, not very good, right? PB&J, though, that's excellent. That is, like, seriously one of my favorite sandwiches. Um, and in fact, I have a story about PB&J. Um, so my dad, he used to work down at the steam plant, and they were doing some training, and he had a guy um, who was foreign, and he had never had... PB&J before in his life. And so one day my dad was sitting there eating a sandwich and going, you know, he's eating his PB&J, and then the guy goes, what is that? I've never seen that before in my life. And then he goes, oh, it's peanut butter and jelly. Like, everybody knows what peanut butter and jelly is. And so he, he, like, gave the guy a bite of the sandwich, and the guy's eyes just, like, lit up, and he was like, oh, my gosh, this is the most amazing thing I've ever had in my entire life. And for, like, three months straight, all that guy had for lunch was PB&J. So... <laughs> This is the PB&J right here, okay? This is, hey, God plus Jesus, right? Can't have one without the other, okay? Their, their ministry is intertwined. And in fact, what's so cool is that when we look at the relationship between the Trinity, between God and Jesus, the Son and the Father, is we see that there's this covenant that's made between them. And from the beginning of the earth, right, from the beginning of everything, okay, there's a plan to save us. The whole entire Old Testament is devo devoted towards pointing towards Christ's coming, right? Almost everything in it. It's insane when you look at all the prophecies that are fulfilled, all the 
you know, foretelling all of the people who r- represent Jesus coming, right? Okay, and then the New Testament is Jesus is here. He, here's how he can save us, okay? Literally all of history, everything that's happened, everything that God has planned has been to give us a way to salvation. And that's so awesome because, once again, without Jesus, okay, you can't get to God the Father. Without God the Father, you can't have Jesus. Um, so the first little note, and by the way, I hate taking notes. Like, I don't take notes at all. Um, so sorry for all the note takers if my notes are kind of like really generic. This is all I could come up with. So the first note that you guys are going to have here uh, is, this is Jesus' response to the Jews. Um, and then the first two little ones is, belief in Jesus is belief in God the Father. Right? That when we believe in Jesus, that is how we come to the Father. Okay? Also, the second one is seeing Jesus is seeing God the Father. And this, I feel, for myself, is uh, very applicable because even though I can't physically see Jesus in front of me, but when you see Jesus working through people, working through uh, situations and events, we can sit there and go, man, like, you know, sometimes you just sit there and you're like, and you're like man, like worship, or you see somebody doing something and you go, man, you know, I can really see God. I can see Jesus working through this person. And I don't know, it gets me stoked. But also, too, for the Jews, this is a significant thing to them because, you know, for a long time now, they haven't, you know, well, first of all, nobody's physically seen God, but they haven't seen God either, right? They haven't sat there and said, like, oh, yeah, there's God. Yeah, we believe in him. He's cool. No, they've, they're now, they can say, man, I see Jesus. Jesus is sent from God. This is awesome, right? This is all the things that we've learned about and studied and all these traditions and all this sacrifice that we've made is now being fulfilled. So there's a group of them that see that or are starting to see that, and there's another group that isn't. So, once again, um, the thing about these verses is that Jesus is directly rejecting the argument that he's come on his own. Because that's a big thing that they kept accusing him of, is that, hey, you know, you are using powers of the devil or, or whatever was going on, that he's basically saying, nope, not the case. So, uh, in conclusion for this kind of section here, the big thing that we need to take away from this is that this should be coming not only as a relief to Israel, but also to ourselves, right? That Jesus is here, he's made a way, okay? We don't need a prophet, we don't need any more laws, okay? We don't need any more human agents, per se, to get us to salvation, okay? He's taking it all. And sometimes that can be something that's really frustrating for us as humans, because we want to have something, like, tangible to say, oh, no, like, if you do these four steps, you're golden, you're good, right? Like, for all the kids in here and the people who are slightly older than kids uh, who play Pokemon Go, myself included, right, we want to be able to say, hey, if I turn in these mini, like, Eevee, I get all this candy, and I can evolve it to Vaporeon and then to dominate this gym, right? We want these (laughs) steps, right? We want these things to go, hey, you know, like, how do I get there? Like, what's my 30-day plan, right? Done. Throw, kick it out. It's gone. Jesus. That's it. And that's what I love about the gospel so much and why it appeals to me. I'm a pretty simple dude, but the gospel is extremely simple. It's complex, but at the same time, too, it, he makes it easy for us, right? Like, literally, follow Jesus. And we go, yeah, okay, but, like, 
you know, do you, I think I should do this, uh, you know, uh, Calvinism, what about, the, what's up with that? Like, that's weird. Um, and, like, we go through all these things, right, that we try and, like, avoid that topic of, hey, like, no, 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 it's just Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Like, follow Jesus. Do what Jesus says. Yeah, that's cool, but, like, you know, what else? Like, well, what else is going on? And that's why we see so many other world religions, right, where there's this appeal, because there's steps. There's things, there's works, there's things that you need to do in order to hopefully, maybe, possibly be saved, right? And that's what's beautiful about this picture here, is that we don't. Um, the next little fill in the blank is, uh, all we need to come to salvation is Jesus. Like I said, simple message for simple people. Um, this is great. Uh, so that kind of concludes the first section. That's kind of his first, hey, P.S., you guys are wrong, I'm from God. Um, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? And some of them are going to accept that, some of them will reject that, and it's the same nowadays, right? Some people s- hear that and see that and go, oh my gosh, like, that totally makes sense, and some people who reject that and go, you know what, I don't want to have a part in that. So kind of the next section that we're going through here um, is Jesus' mission. So this is kind of him wrapping up saying, hey, you know what? This is where I'm from, but this is where I'm going. This is what I've been doing. This is what my ministry is about, Okay? Um, and I really like, uh, the picture of light. Like, we always, we always talk about how light is, um, just removes the darkness. If you've been camping, or I remember one time I went, I was in a mine for, like, a field trip, not just randomly, like, my parents didn't send me to a mine or anything like that, even though they probably want to at certain points, but, um, I was in this mine, and they shut off all the lights, and it was pitch black. It was the craziest thing, because you can't see anything at all, like, nothing. And then they, like, lit a match, and it was so bright, right? And that picture of, okay, light versus darkness. So, I already warned him, but I have a, uh, a story to tell about Nathan O'Neill. Um, so, Nathan O'Neill and I, he's the guy who shreds on guitar, just in case you didn't know. Um, him and I uh, have grown up going to hardcore concerts, which you don't know that is. That's, like, the guys who scream and, like, whip their hair around and stuff and mosh pits, all that stuff. Um... So we were at one of those, and there's this thing that, and you guys are going to judge me a little bit, but that's okay. Um, there's this thing called the wall of death. Yeah, right? Gnarly. Okay, so what happens is there's a guy, and he's on stage, he's usually the singer, and he's screaming, and he goes, wall of death, and then everybody in the room goes on two sides, and then you go, and then he, like, counts off or something, and then, you know, they do some cool, like, breakdown, and everybody just runs into each other and smashes into each other. Super fun. Um... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the thing is, is Nathan and I have been to a lot of these concerts before, and Nathan wears glasses, and Nathan should have known, hey, I should probably take these off, because there's like a couple like six foot eight guys that are going to be running into me. Um, he didn't, um, so needless to say, we go, his glasses get fallen off, and just, we never found them again. They're gone. Who knows what happened? They're dust. It's, it's over, right? Um, so the rest of the concert... He is sitting there, and he has his phone in front of him like this, and he's zooming in. And I felt really bad for him, because it was like literally the like, second band or something like that. And he's zooming in, trying to see, trying to see the band. And he literally, like, and I had to drive home in his car, and it was a horrible thing. But that picture of, hey, you know what? He couldn't see. He couldn't see what was going on. There was, it wasn't even fully dark, but that totally changed his experience for the rest of the night of, hey, you know, I came here looking to see, like, this band and hear them, but, you know, I didn't get to see that. I didn't even get to drive home. We had to go drive and get him contacts right? So that picture of how important sight, how important light is, right? 
Um, so think of that while we're going to this next section here. Um, so this is verse 46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Okay? Now, we've heard phrasing like this. We've heard this kind of analogy so many times that I feel like sometimes, especially for myself, it can become lost on me, right? Where I'm like, yeah, yeah, light, darkness, okay, light, good, darkness, bad, okay, I got it, right, check. But when we truly think about that, like if you sit there for a second and you just introspectively think of the things you've done, think of the things you're capable of doing, think of the things that humanity is capable of doing. And there's, such pr- there's a prevailing thought right now that uh, humanity is inherently good which is like insane when you read history at all, right? The horrible things that people have done. And even just on your own, the things that you go, man, I know what I am capable of, right? On my own, left unchecked. That darkness, okay, that is inescapable on our own is removed because of Jesus' light. Just as in a room, like when these lights turn on and the darkness is gone, it's not, it's, it's gone. That's it. Boom. Done. Right? Like, it's not, oh, okay, well, I got rid of a little bit of it. Like, you know, you're still kind of bad. When Jesus comes and his light comes into our life, we're wiped clean. And that's simple, and we hear that all the time, but how often do we forget that? How often do we have something going on in our lives and we go, yeah, but, like, I know Jesus saved me, but I don't think I'm worthy. And it's like, yeah, you're not. Thankfully, Jesus saved you, though. Like, remember that. And then we go, yeah, yeah, but, like, what are the steps? What are these things? What are these things I can do? Believe in Jesus. He saved you from that. Yeah, but what else? And we do that so often. And I know I do that in my life. Um, and that's what's so cool. Once again, this simple message, this simple ministry of Jesus coming and saving us and making a way. Okay? Um, so, the second little thing. See, like I said, I'm really bad at notes, so i got to keep remembering this. Uh, the mission of light, right? That's why Jesus has come. He's come to bring light into this dark world. Okay? Um, the next slide is Jesus is sent directly by God. We've already established that, right? Okay, so keep that in mind here. Okay, now B would be Jesus is the light that is sent to separate us from the darkness in this world. Okay, and to really put this in perspective for who he's talking to, um, I have it up on the screen, but Deuteronomy, right? Uh, 32, 45 through 47. So this is how the Jewish people have been basing their lives, okay? Now, look at this, and then look at Jesus' message that he's saying right now, okay? And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, take to heart all the the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all, keyword, all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life, and by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. That is heavy. Not just, hey, keep some of the laws. Keep, keep, you know, there's some really hard ones, so like, don't worry about those ones so much. It's not that big of a deal. Keep all of them. And it's not just, hey, keep all of them, or else we're going to kind of be upset with you, right? This, it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, right? Where Jesus, or not Jesus, but God tells them to do something, and they go, no, I'm good, thanks. 
And I, uh, you know, I love, it's so sad, but I love in uh, Jeremiah where basically they all go before Jeremiah and say, hey, what do you want us to do? Whatever God says, we are going to do it. And then he goes and talks to God and basically says, okay, he says don't go here. And they go, nah, we're not going to do that. Forget that. Like, that doesn't sound good to us. And he goes, okay, but if you go there, you're going to die. And they're like, no, no, we're good. We're going to go there anyways. And that's, that's the picture here that we're looking at. It's this unrelenting law that it was hard on purpose. It was, and, and that's why they had sacrifices. That's why I have all these things is to point to Christ, right? Especially for the Jewish people of showing them, hey, you can't do this on your own. You need Jesus. And now Jesus is here in front of them, and they're going, yeah, but I don't think he's from God. You know? And it's so sad because we're looking and we're saying, no, like, you've waited your entire history for this, like, Messiah to come. And then you're just sitting there and going, like, hmm, I don't think so. Like, there's got to be another way to do this, right? We want to stick with the law that's really hard and impossible for us to do. Right? But how often do we do that, too, in our lives, where we sit there and all we have to do is come before Christ. It's such a crazy picture that, hey, the God who created everything, right, I can literally, it's not just like, oh, like, hopefully he hears me. I can talk directly to him. Like, stop for a second and let that blow your mind. Like, that's insane, right? That's seriously crazy. And the fact that he listens to you, he might not necessarily do what you pray for because it might not be in his will, but he's listening to what you have to say. You have a relationship with him. It even says in the Bible, you know, as you draw close to me, I will draw near to you. That's insane. God is doing that. That's so cool. But just as the Jewish people here missed it, sometimes we miss it too, unfortunately. Um, we're going on here to 47. It says, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Now, this is really interesting. Because once again, this is a description of Jesus' ministry. It's, and we see this through the gospel. He doesn't judge people. He tells them, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And he clearly will say, he doesn't hold back, right? He'll say, stop doing that. Turn away from that. Don't ever do that again, you know? But here's the thing, is he doesn't come the first time to judge us. He comes to show us the path to salvation. He comes to say, hey, you've had this hard thing, and even for the Gentiles too, you've been living in utter darkness, right? You have nothing. You don't even have what the Jewish people have. You have nothing. You're just on your own, right? Okay? So all that, all that horrible stuff, okay? Boom. Here's the way. This is how you get there. Through me. Just follow me. That's all you gotta do, okay? So this is heavy stuff, right? Um, I don't know if I put up C. So C is Jesus comes to save and not to judge, okay? Now, don't go home and go, I can do whatever I want because they said Jesus wasn't coming here to judge. Once again, not saying that, right? We're saying, hey, there's sin. God acknowledges sin. Jesus acknowledges sin when he first comes, but that wasn't the point. The point was to show us a way to salvation, okay? Now, what's really interesting here is the kind of caveat that he puts on this, right? Um, in verse 48, okay? This is referring to his second coming. It says, The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Now that's a, a pretty heavy thing, right? So Jesus, thankfully, comes the first time full of grace, full of mercy, saying, hey, this is the way to get to God, okay? This is the way for uh, eternal salvation, right? But now he's saying, I've given that to you. 
right? I came, I gave that to you, you have that, right? When I come again, you're going to be held accountable by that. Now, if that doesn't scare you a little bit, I don't know what to say, okay? Like, it should be good. Like, we should be rejoicing for Jesus to come back, right? But at the same time, too, we need to have the mindset that there are people who don't know. There are people in our own lives who don't know. There are, are times in our own life where we might not even know. It. You might go, hey, you know what? I've gone to church my entire life. That doesn't mean you're a Christian, right? Now, clearly, we can see here there is a way to become saved, right? So I'm not saying anything about losing your salvation or there's some kind of test or anything like that, but purely the fact of, hey, if we don't follow Christ, there is going to be judgment, right? And that should be good for us because, hey, Jesus has paid that price for us, so we don't have to worry. But at the same time, too, we need to have that urgency of going, man, how many people in my life that I can think about right now don't have that, don't have the assurance? And what am I doing about that, right? Because I, I know I, I worked for um, City of El Segundo in the Park and Recreation Department for five years. And in fact, fun fact, um, the show Park and Rec is actually based on the department that I worked for. So anyways, if you ever want to talk about that, I have some inside stories. But, um, which it's a good show, by the way, too. Um, but anyways, uh, that's my plug for Park and Rec. Um, but here's the thing. When I worked there, I was a Christian, but, and I, and I talk about this to the junior high and high school kids all the time, is I would be there, and I wouldn't ever say I wasn't a Christian, but when they'd say, hey, what are you doing Friday night? And I had, like, uh, you know, a college group or something like that. I'd go, oh, I got, like, a, a thing. I'm hanging out with some people. Or they'd be like, oh, what are you doing this night? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm playing music. Like, leave out the part of, oh, you know, I'm going to play worship somewhere, right? And that's so easy for us to do, because sometimes, I know in my head, I can sit there and go, well, I didn't say I'm not a Christian. Like, they probably know I'm a Christian. Like, I mean, I don't, like, do as much bad stuff as they do. But, like, I sit there, and, at the, like, up until the last year I was working there, I sat there and, like, man, how many people have I come into contact here that I didn't actively tell them about Christ? Like, and who knows? And God is good, thankfully, and there's grace, and praise be to him for that. But when I look at my life, uh, that, that four years where I didn't really do anything with those people— I sit there and go, like, man, like, I missed out on having some awesome opportunities to share Christ with these people, right? And it's so easy for us to do that. It's so easy to sit and say, like, and I used to think this way, too, of like, oh, well, they'll just see through my example. And yes, good, be a good example, but at the same time, too, like, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm a Christian. Like, that's also really cool, and we should be going out and do that. And I understand there's different gifts and different opportunity to present themselves to us, but the thing is, is, is our hearts in the same place that Jesus' ministry is, of sharing that light, of going out and sharing that gospel? Are we doing that where we work, where we play, uh, wherever, whatever age we're at, right? Of having that mindset, okay? Um, so, D is, his second coming will be one of judgment, right? Keeping that in our minds that hey, you know what? He came the first time full of grace, thankfully, and the gospel is all about grace, literally. The whole thing is amazing. It's saying, yeah, you aren't worthy of this, but thankfully, Jesus paid that price. You're, you're good, right? Just follow him. Once again, that simple message, right, of following him. But at the same time, too, we need to be thinking, hey, he is coming again, right? And when he comes again, he's going to be holding people accountable by this word that he has brought to us that we should be sharing with others.
okay? Um, and what's so cool about this section, too, is you see Jesus is the first missionary, in a sense. Um, and I always don't necessarily like the word missionary because it's easy for us to sit there and think, like, oh, well, he's a missionary, so, like, he goes and talks to people, and I don't have to. Not the case. And we see this with Jesus' ministry, right? If we're claiming to follow Christ, we see he's saying it right here why he's come. He's come to show them salvation, to share this light, to remove the darkness, right? Um, and we even see him submitting, and this, this is E, Jesus submits to the will of God and follows his commandments, right? And we see this earlier in John three sixteen through 21. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's a good place to break right there, but it's even better to keep going. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? This is what we've been talking about. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. Uh, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. For whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It's so easy for myself included to stop at John 3.16. And that's really awesome, and that is key to our Christian walk, right? But if we don't include the rest of it, we only get a partial view of our mission, of Jesus' mission, of what we're claiming to follow, where we're supposed to go out and say, hey, you know what? There is salvation, but also at the same time, too, if we don't go and tell those people, right, what, how does that look on us? Literally, like, saying, hey, I have the cure to the disease, but, you know, they might not like it, so I'm going to keep it for myself. If they come and specifically ask about it, I might tell them about it, but, you know, it's cool. They can just die. Like, how horrible is that? We wouldn't do that, right? You'd be sitting there going, like, what is wrong with this dude? Like, we get so mad when, like, companies charge a ton of money for their drugs even, right? But we have, not on our own uh, merits, but we have the way for eternal salvation. But we keep it for ourselves so much, right? And this goes out to me, too. This goes out to everybody here. Okay, it doesn't matter where you're at. Okay, this is for all of us to be thinking about. All of us who claim to follow Christ— to follow him and to do what he says, right? To show this light to the darkness, to tell them about what he's done in our lives. This is such a big part, and, and uh, it's so easy to skip over it. Um, so, one of the things that, that, that as we come into conclusion for, for these verses, you know, it says, um, once again, for I have not spoken on my own authority. This is verse 49. But the Father who sent me has given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me, right? We see this submission of Jesus who has the authority to say all these things, right? He, like, we don't, like, in our sense, like, I can't say, like, yes, you are saved because of what I have done. No, don't do that. If I ever say that, like, throw something at me because I definitely am not good enough to save you um, by any means. But here's the thing, is like, Jesus has the authority to say, because he was equal with God, right? But at the same time, too, we see Jesus even submitting to God. We see him submitting to the Father, right? So how can we not do that, right? How can we not submit to the Father when, when he has called us to do that? 
how can we sit there sometimes and go, you know what, that's not, that's not my place. Like, you know, some other missionaries, some other evangelists, they'll get that. They'll take care of that. You know, that's what they pay people church for. Like, that's why I tithe. They got that, right? No, like, even if it's just one person, right, in your life that God has called you to go to, go to that person, right? If it's a thousand, go to them. Awesome, but be willing. Be willing to follow after Christ, right? Um, so number three on here is, the example for us to follow, right? What Jesus has done. Um, in A, what is our role in all of this, right? These are big questions, even though it's so simple. Once again, this is a simple gospel, right? That we see clearly what our role is, right? Our role, if we claim to be followers, right? We claim to follow Jesus, okay? Jesus is following God's commandments, as we see at the end of this verse, right? To go and he has made a, a way for salvation, and therefore we should go and share that. And, and sometimes it's so easy for us to do, think of it in like a doom and gloom kind of way. But here's the thing of like, okay, well, I have to go out and meet this quota for how many times like I've shared the gospel. And that's not the case. Here's the thing, and this totally rocked like my mind when you think about grace, is once again, going back to that concept of, hey, you know, I know myself. I know what I'm capable of. And Jesus has saved me of those things. Like, it's, there's not even a record of that anymore, right? If Jesus did that for me and showed me that kind of grace, how can I, therefore, not want to share that with somebody, right? Okay? Just like with my Pokemon Go reference, whenever I see somebody who plays Pokemon Go, I show them all the sweet Pokemon I have, right? Okay? Because I'm like, hey, look. Look what I caught. Like, look what I've done. Um, but with anything, right, with music, with sports, with whatever we're into, we sit there all the time and go, hey, you want to see this new thing of it? Like, I'm awful at carpentry, but Tim's pretty rad at it. And Tim will go on his Instagram, which you should all go follow, is he'll sit there and say, hey, look at this new thing I built, right? It's because he's proud of it, okay, because it's something he's done. But even more so, Jesus has saved us. We should be going out because of the love, because of the grace we've been showed, and want to share that with others, Right? And that's where we need to make sure our hearts are lined up in the same place that Jesus' was, of submitting, right? Of wanting to have that concern, right? And we see this through the gospel, that the only people that Jesus ever judges are people who claim to be religious, right? He's not sitting there judging prostitutes, right? He's not judging tax, tax collectors. He, he tells them, once again, he tells them they're wrong, okay? He tells them to repent, but he lo loves on them. So how can we do anything less than that, right? We should be going out and doing the same thing. Um, B is going to be, we are to follow the example of the first missionary, Jesus, and his disciples, right? And this is John 20, 21. This is what he tells them, kind of when he's concluding. Like I said, this is kind of the conclusion of his ministry to others in John, and then he goes into pouring into his disciples more and preparing for the crucifixion and resurrection. So this is what he kind of leaves them with. And, and he's also leaving us with this, right? Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Boom. Right there. No excuse, right? We can't sit there and say, Oh, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Like, it's there for us, right? That we need to go out. We have been sent. Just as Jesus was sent. Just as the person we claim to follow was sent. Hey, I'm going to go do this. Um, one of the things that I, I'm very passionate about is... Uh, unreached people groups specifically. And, and if you don't know what that means, basically 
the way they classify unreached people groups is, so if there's an unreached people group, that would be somebody who less than, 2% or less of the population is evangelical Christian, basically, okay? And then there's also unreached and unengaged. It means in no aspect, nobody's praying for them, nobody's talking to them, nothing, no influence of Christ, okay? So just a little context for um, what I'm going to share. I wanted to show you guys this, because it's so easy for me to, before I really got into, um, you know, looking at this stuff of, of it's so easy for us, especially in America, to go like, oh yeah, everybody knows about Jesus, right? Like, everybody knows about God, like, there's not much left to do, so I just wanted to share this with you guys, um, and I can send you guys all the stats and some really cool websites if you want, just email me. Um, so, as of this year, uh, there are are 11,479 people groups who are considered to be reached. So that's not necessarily saved. That's just, hey, more than 2% of them are evangelical and they're witnessing and they're, they're preaching, stuff like that, right? Um, then 6,789 are considered, these are people groups, right, to be unreached, okay? So less than 2%. 3,041 people groups are considered to be unreached and non-engaged. And you can sit there and kind of go, okay, that's a lot of people. But let me put it in this perspective, okay? There's 118, 221,850 million people who are unreached and unengaged. So there's nothing about God being said to them at all. Not even people praying for them, okay? Then there's 198 million, 24,015 people who are unreached, okay? So that's l less than 2%. Okay, that's an insane amount of people. And when I saw that, I was, like, devastated. Because I was sitting there like, man, like, what am I doing in my life? Like, I can't even witness to people around me, okay? Like, I can't even talk to people around me and tell them, hey, like, I'm a Christian. This is what my life is about. When there's people who haven't even had the opportunity, right? That's insane to me, and that's crazy. And, and that should blow our mind and make us want to, as Jesus did, share the gospel, right? To remove that darkness, to give people hope, okay? And, and that's kind of what I want us to take away. If that's the only thing you take away from today is that you have been called, okay, to go out and share the gospel. Um, and this is, I don't have this on the board, but this is Romans 10, uh, 14. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And think about that. I know this is kind of heavy, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, I seem to always bring the heavy whenever I talk, even to the kids. You can ask them about it. But, like, this is serious stuff, you know? This is people's eternal life. Um, and, in fact, it was funny. Um, Tim Reeves, the drummer, was kidding with me about like, me messing up on this, the sermon. He said, yeah, it's only people's eternal life. And it was a joke, but, like, it's so true. Right? And that's why I don't take this lightly. It is seriously super true. Okay? Like, we need to make sure that we are following after God, that we are doing the things that he did. Right? You don't even need to do more than what he did. Just follow his example. Okay? Um, and as we're closing, that's what I want us to be thinking about. I want us, wherever you're at, and this is something I stress to the, to the youth group a lot too, is knowing where you're at. Right? Knowing, hey, if it's, I don't want to have anything to do with God, that's okay. Know that. 
and then go from there. Check it out. See what's going on. If it's, hey, I've gone to church my entire life, but I'm not quite sure what this is all about and how it applies to me, good. Know that and then go from there, right? And we've been talking about this too as a church. This has been a theme of, uh, you know, next steps, right? The thing is, is if any of us claim to be Christians, this is a next step, right? It's not optional, okay? Because the very person that we claim to follow has gone and done it already. And if we claim to follow him, we need to do the same. Um, so I'm going to pray out, and then we're going to go into worship. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this day. I thank you uh, that we had this opportunity to uh, learn more about you and to see uh, even this conclusion, kind of your ministry in John, and, and this urgency that you had and you still have for people who don't know you. I pray that as we go into worship right now, that we would take a second and, and look at our lives, look at our walk with you, that we would examine where we are in regards to actually following you, not just doing things that we think we should be doing or things that somebody have told us to do, but what you did yourself, that we would follow after that, that you went and, and preached to people, that we would do that, that you made a way for our salvation, that we would show people that salvation through you. And that we do this not out of guilt, not out of fear, but out of the love and the grace that you have shown us, that we would show that to others also. Um, and I pray just for this time of worship that we would be focusing on that and focusing on you and, and thanking you also for the amazing grace that you have given us. Um, amen.